anniversary. <laughs> it's kind of a culmination, you know, kind of like Brandolina. Brandon, you, you don't know what I'm talking about, but um, it's kind of a culmination day where we celebrate uh, our anniversary as being a church in the Flathead Valley, 46 years today. And can I just start out by just giving glory to God? Can we just take a moment and pause? Because as we were praying this morning, we were reminded that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all for him. And so I don't even want to go a step further without just hitting the pause button and say, I just praise God that after 46 years, we're still alive and going strong when churches all over this nation are closing their doors, pastors are leaving and quitting because it's getting hard. The darkness is coming, but yet in the middle of darkness, the church is the greatest hope in the world. So can we just take a moment and give glory to God? Come on, lift your voices, lift your hands. Come on, God, we praise you. We thank you. We glorify your name. You're good. You're good. You're good. Good. I'm so glad that you're here today. I am. I am absolutely pumped. I can't even hardly contain it. I felt like a kid on Christmas morning this morning getting up to preach the vision for you because this vision burns in my heart. I don't even have to prepare that much to preach it because it's just in me. It's a part of me. It's, it's, it's who I am. It, it lives and breathes and it's what gets me up in the morning. It's it's when I get up here to speak to you. It's the driving force behind everything that I do and that we do as a church. And so um, today you might be here and you might be a guest and I just wanna welcome you to the party. Uh, today's a day where we hit the pause button on our normal message series or normal message that I would give to you because it's important that we remember the vision that God gave us. And so I wanna talk to you a little bit about that. I'm gonna talk to you, share with you a little bit about the vision, mission of this church. And then as I always do, I'm going to share with you each year as I pray into God, what do you have for us as a church? What he gives me, I wanna share with you. And I believe he's given me a lot. He's given me fresh vision. He, he's showing me things that are happening in the world. He's showing me things that in, in his word that are encouraging me that in dark times that the church can rise up and be the light for Jesus, amen? And so you might be here today and be like, oh man, you know, I just want, I just want to hear a good message, you know. I want to be encouraged. I want, to, I want the Bible to be preached. And, you know, that's how I roll. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. But today, we're going to lean into the vision that God has given this church. And so you might be like, hey, why is this a big deal? You know, what's with the balloons? And, and we're after, we're going to have some cupcakes for you. We're going to celebrate. This is a party. This is a party. We're not only celebrating the, the mission and vision that God gave us, but we are celebrating the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And, um, and sometimes you just need to celebrate. Sometimes you need, I say, even if we need an excuse, let's party, right? <laughs> but, but I want to remind you of a few things. I want to remind you starting out with the scripture in Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, and I'm going to read to you in the Message Bible, if you guys can pull that up. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses uh, 2 through 3. By the way, the, the, um, the verses are really small. Maybe there's a reason for that, but I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna try my best to read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. Um, here's why it's important that I take uh, a Sunday and preach this message to you. It says this, and then God answered, write this, write what you see. In other words, there's a vision that God gives churches individually and specifically. Now, let me just pause a second and say that I believe that every church 
Every born-again believer has the same general mission, right? That mission, Jesus Christ commissioned you and me with when he commissioned the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, when he said, go into all the world, all the nations, and preach the good news, and baptize them, teach them everything, fill them with the Holy Spirit, teach them everything that I've taught you. That is the mission of the church. There's no deviating from that. That is every church's mission, right? But then, just like in your own personal life, God gives you that general mission, but then he'll give you a specific purpose that he has for you. And so all the world, we have the big C church, that is the church of Jesus Christ, and I don't mean the Latter-day Saints, I mean the church of Jesus Christ. And, and then there are individual churches that make up a part of that bigger church. And so within that, God will give the leaders of that church a vision. He'll birth it in them. And it burns within me. I can see it. And so we write it down. He goes on to say this. He says, he says that you must write it out in, I love this, big block letters. Why? So that it can be uh, read on the run. I love that. Man, in this uh, fast-paced society today, what if we stopped running after the things of the world, and what if we started running with the mission and vision that God gave us? How could this world look a little bit different if we looked at our lives a little bit different? And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. He said, the vision message, and that's what this is today, it's a witness pointing to what's coming. So we've got a vision, I've got a vision for this church that God, I believe, has given me, birthed in me, and the elders and the leaders and the pastors of this church, but we need people to run with it. We need people to see that vision, catch that vision. Why? Because I believe that vision points to what's coming. I believe that God is doing something in this church. He's doing something in all the churches in this valley. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I believe that you were brought here, birthed here. You are here. In fact, there's scripture that backs that up, that everybody has been appointed a place in time to be alive. And he's appointed even the place where you're living right now. So you're not here by accident. <laughs> you're here for a reason. And it never ceases to amaze me how God brings and has been bringing people to this valley because I believe God is doing something. It's pointing to something that is coming. I love this. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. I don't know about you, but there's something in my spirit that aches for it. I long to see it. I was sitting there in worship this morning and just, I just cannot, I can't wait to see it. I could almost taste it. I could see it. And, and there's something in me that aches for it. And it doesn't lie. It may seem slow in coming, but it's on the way, baby. I love that. It will come in the right time. And so as the church, this is why we say, hey, we're going to stop for a minute. We're going to put the mission in front of you in big block letters so that you can read it and you can run with it. And here's what I'll say about this. Oftentimes, you know, we have days like this and they're fun. We celebrate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we hear the mission and the, and the vision of the church. But let me tell you something, unless it aches, unless it burns in you, this vision isn't gonna go very far. Because too many times I think we say, oh, that's great for you, Pastor Lance. Awesome, way to go, buddy. Give you a high five, you know, fist pound, whatever. 
But the vision of the church is not just for the pastor and the leaders and the pastors of the church. It's actually for you. So I'll tell you this, I can have all the vision in the world, but unless you catch that vision and unless you internalize it, in other words, you say, I'm gonna own that with you, pastor. I wanna partner with you. That's why at Hope Church, when I became the pastor, I, I did away with membership. Because when I was reading in Philippians chapter one, I was reading about Paul, how God was using Paul as an apostolic leader, planting churches and birthing churches and birthing revival in the New Testament age. And Paul said something really, really critical that you could easily just skim over. He says, I thank God for you every time I think of you. And, and now I'm saying that I do. When I read that, I do. I thank God for you every time I think of you. He says, because of your partnership with me in the gospel. Paul recognized something that I recognized, that he couldn't do it alone. And if the great apostle Paul couldn't do it alone, let me tell you, no mega pastor, super pastor, whatever y'all think we are, um, but we're just people just like you, that God has called to lead a church. So I have my role as a pastor, as an apostolic leader, but you've got your role. In fact, Paul would remind us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, what you're here for. And I'm going to remind you today, too. But this vision will only go as far as the people in the church catch the vision, own the vision, and run with it. So here's, here's what I want to remind you of our vision this morning at Hope Church. Our Hope Church mission is this. It's right there on the wall. We put it in big block letters, literally, for you to not only catch it, but as you're coming in and as you're going out, that you're reminded of the mission of this church that God has given this church specifically. And that mission is to see lives renewed through the hope that we have in Jesus. Come on, how many of you can say that your life has been changed? I love that word renewal by the hope that we have in Jesus. There's a lot of things that we could put our hope in in this world. And I don't know about you, but I tried that. It didn't work so well, did it? No, it ended in a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of questions. In fact, you know, for me, and some of you have been around, you've heard my story as a broken 19-year-old that just graduated high school, had no purpose, no vision for my life. That's another good reason why we do this too, because the Bible says without vision, people perish. There's a spiritual principle there that any time that you don't have vision for your life personally and a vision for a bigger picture that it's more than just the vision that God has given you for your life, that you're a part of a bigger plan. And it's called the church. That Jesus, this is, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, as people in the congregation, you think, well, this is just Pastor Lance's idea and he just wants to grow a church and whatever, man. I used to be in business. If I wanted to do something, you know, for my own accolades and success, I would have stayed in the business world. But I, I said yes to Jesus, to the calling and purpose in my life, because I wanted to say yes to the greater vision that God has for his church. And you're a part of it. You're a part of it. God, that's why Paul used the analogy of a body, that we all have a part. We all have a place in this. And when I was 19 years old, I completely lost vision. And what happens is I just started grasping for anything. Just like if you're here this morning and you're, you're struggling to find purpose in your life, 
what will happen is the enemy will come and he will give you a counter mission, a pseudo mission. See, our enemy, he, he's, he's a one trick pony. He's not a creator. God is a creator. God is the creator of life. He's the creator of vision. He's the creator of purpose. And we have a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy that purpose in your life. And so what he'll do is he'll try to throw things in front of you to try to distract you and pull you away from that purpose and give you a, counter, a counterfeit purpose. And so if we're not careful, we could buy into the ways of the world and the vision of the world, which is pursue happiness. Just make yourself happy. Just be happy. Make a lot of money because that's going to make you happy, right? More money, more problems, right? Come on, we're, we're not buying into those lies. We're buying into God's vision and purpose and plan for our life. And it starts with having a clear vision because when you don't have it for your life personally and we don't, when we don't have it for the church, this is what happens. We drift. We throw off, as that verse would say, we throw, cast off constraint. In other words, we lose the guiding and the guardrails in our life, keeping us on track to actually doing something meaningful in life, purposeful, beyond ourselves. So that leads me into what our vision is as a church. And man, I love this vision. Again, we've put it in big block letters for you. When you walk into the church, it's right there. And it's this, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. Now let me just hit on each one of those real brief for you because I think it's important that you understand this. This is the vision. This is how we see lives renewed through the hope that we have in Jesus. And it all starts with number one, to know God. Everything begins and ends here. Like if this doesn't happen, nothing else happens. That's why it's the first part of our vision, to know God. And it doesn't mean to know about God. It doesn't mean to come to church. It doesn't mean to do your devotional in the morning. It doesn't mean to just give him 15. It means that you actually have this living, breathing, life-giving relationship with your heavenly father who loves you deeply and gave his one and only son so that you can know him. See, there was this problem. And the problem was that in the beginning, God created man and woman and he created them to walk with him daily in this life-giving, loving relationship. God wanted a family. He wanted people that he could love and receive his love and walk in relationship with him. But mankind chose their own way over God's way. And when they did that, sin entered in to humanity and into this world. And, and we're living in a very broken fractured world because of sin. Sin separated us from being able to really truly know God because God is a holy God. I was thinking, we were singing this morning that song, With Everything, and I love, I leaned over and told my wife, I said, you know, this reminds me when we're singing, whoa, whoa, I'm not the singer, y'all, so, you know, bear with me. Well, you know, when we were doing that part, that part, I was thinking how right now in this moment as we're going, whoa, 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 there are angels surrounding the very throne of God and they are with their wings, they're full of covered with eyes. And as they are surrounding the throne of God, they're constantly saying, whoa, whoa, oh my gosh, they're seeing the different parts of God every moment that they haven't seen. That's how big God is. That's how awesome your God is. That's how majestic 
Jesus is, that is, that is what's happening in heaven right now. They are blown away by how awesome God is. And I think we need a restoration in the church, a fresh vision, if you will, of how awesome our God is. Because all we're doing is we're looking at the news, we're looking at newspapers, we're looking at social media, and we're going, oh, not whoa, oh. There's a lot of darkness out there. It's a lot of stuff that's trying to pull you away from truly knowing God. So Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. In other words, I want to get up each morning and as I know him progressively more and more, and this is a, this is a progression, y'all, that I, I step into a little bit more of his resurrection life and power. And I die a little bit more to myself. And when I do that, I, I participate in his sufferings. I like to say it like this. We, you know how like you go to a restaurant and you order something, you say, yeah, hold the mayo or hold the mustard, whatever you like. I said, we want the resurrection power, hold the suffering. <laughs> But Paul puts the two together, and this is what we don't understand. I believe in the modern-day church, Americanized Christianity that we're living in, we've gotten too comfortable. And we've bought into this false gospel that says we're never going to go through anything hard, that, that God's just going to bless you, you're going to be fair. Oh, bless your soul, you know, and when you're going through something, oh, just, just fix your eyes on Jesus, it could be okay. You know, we, we suffer. Jesus said himself in trying to prepare us, in this world, you're going to face trouble. But Paul tapped into something. He says, every time that I'm going through something, I have a choice. In my suffering, I can know God a little bit more because Jesus suffered so that he can know you, so that he could experience everything. And right now, some of you are going through some stuff. And I would just say that every time you go through suffering, it's an invitation to know God a little bit more and to die a little bit more to ourselves so that the resurrection life and power of Jesus could come more inside of you, amen? All right, I gotta move on because I could just preach this. I could preach it, man. Our next part of our vision is find freedom. I personally believe this is where a lot of us get stuck. We begin this journey of knowing God and getting close to him, but then quickly realize we still got some stuff. And it's ugly. And it kind of messes with us because we think, and this is where the enemy jumps in because he knows you're vulnerable at this point. In the beginning of our relationship with God, we, we're knowing God. Man, we're coming to church. We're singing, woo, you know, Jesus love you. So on fire for God. But then when those feelings wear off, that's when your faith needs to kick in. And if your faith is gonna uh, continue to grow, you gotta work out some things in your life. You gotta find some freedom from those habitual sins that keep messing with you. Every time you take one step forward, you feel like you take two steps back. And, and the enemy will jump on that and, and reap shame and guilt and say, see, God's not working in your life. He, he can't forgive you. What are you doing? You should just go back to your own life. And God says, no, you need to stay in this because there's a process to this. Theologically speaking, it's called sanctification process. That as we progressively come to know God, that little by little, he works more and more of his holiness in us. He's already declared you holy because of what Jesus did on the cross. He's justified you. You are just as if you had never sinned. 
Now we need to learn to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And as we do that, there's a grace that comes on us. But in order to find freedom, this is where we get stuck a lot of times. I believe and we believe as a church that if you're going to find freedom, you need other people in your life. Like you got blind spots. I got blind spots. I, there's things that I don't see in me that you see in me. And good, bad, and ugly. And that's why like the closer you get to somebody, think about your marriage relationship. And there's no better picture, even God uses this all over the Bible, to picture the relationship, the intimacy that he wants to have with you and with his church. And as you know him, he's going to say, okay, now we're going to work on this. Now we're going to get this out of your life because it's messing with you. It's tripping you up. And yet a big way and big part of how he does that is in and through the church. As you are in relationship with other people and you get closer to them, this is why we love small groups here at Hope Church. And we're going to be on you. You're going to hear about connect groups and, and we're not going to stop ringing that bell. Why? Because you need it. I need it. We need relationship. James said it like this. He said, confess your faults or confess your sin one to another. Why? So that you might be healed. <laughs> My Bible says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so as we progressively come to know God more and as we know each other more and as we speak the truth in love to each other, we're going to find more and more freedom. That's why you got to get in a group. You got, if you're the only person that knows, you're only as sick as your secrets. And if you're the only one that knows what you're struggling with, then the devil's having a field day with you. And there's something freeing about confessing, sharing with somebody else what you're going through. We got to do it. That's how we find freedom. As you progressively find more and more freedom, you're going to find that you're gonna discover the reason why you're alive. I, I love this quote. It's actually falsely attributed to Wesley. Um, there was this uh, preacher in New York City in the 70s that actually came up with this quote, but I love it. He said, there's the two greatest days in your life is the day that you were born, number one, and number two is the day that you discover the reason why you were born. Two greatest days in our life. And here's the problem. Almost 86% of blood-bought believers in Jesus don't know their purpose. So you get up every day, you go to work for money, but it's not really driving force behind your life. Like there's something greater that God wants to do in your life. That doesn't mean quit your job and become a missionary, move to Africa. Maybe it does. But for most of us, it means just being a missionary where God has planted you. And what's your purpose is? So you're a teacher? Start looking at your purposes. When you go to school, you're going to start speaking life into those students, that, that you're on a mission. And that mission isn't any different than mine. It's just where God has placed you and the purpose and calling that he has for your life. And we as a church, we're committed to helping you discover that purpose. That's why we have Discover classes to help you discover a little bit about Hope Church. And you can sign up for those, by the way, shameless plug. Just click on that next steps on your phone. Click on that button, go to the website and, and sign up. Number one, you can discover more about Hope Church. And you're hearing a lot about it today and a lot of what we cover in step one in our Discover class. But I love step two. 
Because what we do is we give you three to four different assessments to try to help you. We give you a personality test. We give you a passions test because I believe that God has planted passion inside of you, redeemed passion inside of you for a purpose. Number three, we give you a spiritual gifts test. And we take the combination of those three tests and we try to help help you see or discover where God would have you serve in the local church to start exercising your gifts and start partnering with the mission and vision of the church in and outside the church. And when you start to discover your purpose, you're going to find the fourth step in our vision, and that is that you can make an eternal difference. An eternal difference. Yeah, we're not here just to do some good things. We're here to make an eternal difference. Your life means something. You're making a difference in the lives of other people. There was interesting, you know, um, I studied psychology at Lee University, my alma mater, awesome Christian university. And I wanted to study psychology, but I wanted to study it from a Christian perspective with the basis of the Bible. So I minored in Bible, so I had a good biblical framework as to which God created the mind. He created emotions. He created human beings, right? Stop letting the world, by the way, rob you of things that God created and letting the world claim them for them. So some of you right away, your reaction is, oh, psychology, that's worldly. No, it ain't. God created your mind. He created our emotions. Don't let the enemy rob and steal what God created as good. Yes, there are worldly ideas uh, in psychology, but don't let it rob you of the godly ideas because I believe there are some. And every once in a while, a psychologist, I believe, will have a revelation or a God epiphany about something. And uh, Maslow, this guy named William Maslow, he, uh, he created this hierarchy of needs. And, and then those needs, and it was stuff like this, like on the bottom of the period, is things like shelter, food, basics of life. Like you need those. Like you can't focus your life. If, if you didn't have shelter, like you're gonna find a house or somewhere to get shelter. If you don't have food, that's your main priority. You're getting for, but once the, that need is met, now you can focus on like emotional needs and being loved and those types of things. And every time it just goes higher and higher. Well, years ago they took, he looked at that and said, you know what, something's missing in this hierarchy of needs. And what he realized is that you can meet all these needs, but the very top one is called transcendence. And what he meant by that is all these things being present, if your life, if there isn't something about your life that transcends all this, in other words, you are not made to just survive. You are meant and designed by God to thrive and for a purpose. So transcendence means you got to live and do something in this world beyond yourself. That's for other people, <laughs> i.e. to make a difference. And so we're going to make a difference, y'all. So, hey, when you came in today, you were probably given one of these booklets. If you didn't get one, you get one. And can I just give a shout-out, take a moment to give a shout-out to our creative team? Would you put your hands together? They, uh, they did such an amazing job uh, taking the vision that God gave me for this year and bringing it to life. And so... In this booklet, I, I hope that you take it home and I hope that you actually read it and look it over. In fact, this vision, Anna, Vision Sunday, Visionversary Sunday, I like that. Um, this kind of acts as our business meeting too because we share with you what God has done this year over last year, share with you some financial numbers, 
uh, everybody that's on staff. This is real important. And, um, and in it, I, I give you a little introductory message, message into what I, I believe God has put on our heart. But can I tell you also in here that there are things, there are goals, there are initiatives that I believe that God wants our church to move into to fulfill our mission and vision. You know, I've heard that um, a dream without action or intentionality is just a daydream. A vision without having intentional goals is just a, it's just a daydream. It won't happen. And so I put in here some uh, initiatives for 2023 that I believe will help our church move forward in that mission of vision. I'm also going to share with, with them, with you, with them, with them. I'm going to share you. I'm going to just share them. And you listen. <laughs> Here's our 2023 initiatives. The first one is this, continue to grow our discipleship and evangelism culture. Now, let me, let me tell you this. I put this number one, and there are some things that continue from year to year, and this is one of them. And I think now more than ever, uh, we need to, and I want to prepare you and help you to be the light in the world. Like, share your faith, share your life. Like, we have to be much more intentional about that. And so we're looking for ways to prepare you, to invest in you, to help you, and we're going to grow our evangelism and discipleship culture. And we've got many ways that we're doing that. Number two, I want to help prepare you to be everyday missionaries in everyday life. I think there is an epidemic in the church today, and that is we've gotten way too comfortable sitting in a pew. We have gotten way too comfortable with consumer Christianity, with what I believe is an Americanized version of the gospel, which is that we pay you, Pastor Lance, that's what we pay you for. That's, what we, that's why I give money, so that you can evangelize people, you can disciple people. Can I tell you, that, that was never the plan of God for the church. That, that is a Americanized, even almost Roman Catholic, going back to uh, when things changed. If you read your Bible, the, the, in, in Acts, the book of Acts, the church was birthed through everyday normal people, and it amazed people. They said they were blown away. They were amazed that they were doing such extraordinary things. And they said, these are the very people that turned the world upside down. They said, oh, Houston, we have a problem. We got rid of this man, Jesus, and we thought this movement was over. But guess what? He's back. <laughs> and he's alive, but he's alive inside average, everyday, ordinary people that God is using to do supernatural, extraordinary things. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in you, it is alive in me. So we are a supernatural church. Come on, even though we got programs and we got, um, you know, we plan things, the bottom line is without the supernatural power and grace of God, this thing, this ship don't move forward. This vision doesn't go anywhere. So I act like it's all on me, but I pray like it's all on God and believe it's all on him. But I want to help you see your role in the world as a missionary, wherever you are, to live out every single day. Number three, we're going to develop an intentional leadership pathway. So sometimes in the church, you might be sitting here, you might be like, yeah, coach, man, I'm bought into the vision. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. And you're like, but where do I start? How do I grow in my leadership ability? How, how do I 
how do I know, like, I feel like God's called me to get more involved in the church and I want to become a leader. And we have some ways, no doubt, that you can do that. But I also think, and I want to create an intentional pathway for you that's very clear. Like, this is my next step in my leadership growth and development. This is my next step. I know continually where I'm at on that continuum and that path, and I'm progressively becoming more and more like Jesus and more of the person he created me to be. Number four, we're gonna continue intentionally to invest in the next generation. That's why, again, big block letters. In fact, it's on blocks, bricks in the wall. And it ain't Pink Floyd. <laughs> it's Jesus. Because <laughs> look, he says, we say yes Everybody that wasn't alive in the 70s are all like, Pink Floyd, what's that? You're going to paint the wall pink now? What's happening, Pastor Lance? We say yes to the next generation. That's what we do. Because we're going to proclaim the good news and the faithfulness of God to the next generation. How many of you have experienced revival? Like you were here, you were alive in the 70s. You experienced the powerful move of God. Powerful moves of God. You were here, the Toronto blessing. You experienced it. Hey, here's, can I speak to you, older generation, for a second? I think there's a danger that you're, you can get dissatisfied with church today. Why? Because you've tasted of revival. And there's a longing, and I love that longing. There's a longing in you. You want to see that again. You want to see it happen again. Can I tell you, I believe that it will, but it might look a little different. Because God is always doing a new thing. And the danger is you could say, oh, God's not moving in the church. They got lights. They got smoke. They're loud. Stage is painted black. I don't like it. And yet God is moving in the middle of it. He's doing a new thing. And yet if you will just forget all that and say yes to the next generation. Why? Because we're going after the gen next generation. We are going to lean into this next generation, why? Because the world is pulling them away from God. And we, I, I firmly believe this. I am not going to back off this. We are going to continue to invest in our kids' ministry. We're going to continue to invest on in our youth. That's why this summer, I was so proud of our team. They did something for the very first time called Prime. It's a student internship program where they're learning what the Bible says about the things that are coming at them in culture. And instead of, you know, like talking bad about the next generation and how annoying they are and they just want to be on their phones, my wife and I, we were listening to this message and one pastor was talking, they did a poll of young people in their whole church and they, they asked them a question. The question was this, if you could tell your parents anything, um, in other words, they said, I, I want my parents to know you fill in the blank. And you know what? You know what? Some of the things they said brought tears to my, choked me up. Some of those things were, I want my parents to know that even though they don't think I care, I really do care. I care deeply. Even though I act like I don't want them to discipline me, I really do, and I appreciate it when they do, even though I don't like it. Another one was, I want my parents to know that even though they think I'm disinterested, I'm on the phone, that I really love them and want to spend time with them. See, don't just take for granted. This is why I want to encourage and challenge older generation. Invest in the next generation. What does that look like? Find a young person. Say, I'm praying for, commit to pray for a young person in this church. So I'm going to pray for you every single day. And I want you to know, if you need to talk to somebody, I'm here. 
Don't just say, oh yeah, those young people, they're doing all this stuff and they're always on their phones and they don't care and they don't want anybody. No, you're wrong. Catch a vision for the next generation and watch a generation come alive. Because that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to say yes to the next generation. We're going to continue to look for ways. We're talking about starting Bible studies in schools and how we can help this next generation just fall in love with Jesus. Next thing is this. We're going to refire the forge. Now, a lot of you don't know what that is. Years ago, we had this uh, internship, discipleship, leadership development program for uh, post-high school young people that when they graduated, they go through this eight months. It's an intense, they serve in the church. I teach them uh, Christian doctrine. They get discipled by some of our pastors and leaders in the, with the purpose to help them as God is forging them. I honestly think if you look at statistics, between 18, the ages of 18, 24, young people are, are going away from the church in droves. Why? It's kind of a black hole in the church where we stop investing in that generation, that, that gap, that gap, that age group. And we're going to go back to investing in that age group. We're going to say, no, you're important. And, and you're in a critical age of life where you're making life decisions, what you're going to do with your life, who you're going to marry. And so I'm like, man, that we should be investing more. And so we're going to refire up the forge in 2023. By this time next year, it's going to be going. And I hope that we have 10, 15 young people that are going through that and preparing them to go into the world and, and, and take the seven mountains of, of culture for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Next one is, we're going to um, see a Hope Center. This has been a dream of ours. We want to see a Hope Center community outreach hub. So, you know, our church is a little bit out of the way, but I love what uh, Pastor David said. He always reminds me, one pastor said, a church alive is worth the drive. <laughs> Woo! But we're not in the center. One of the things that it honestly drives me a little bit crazy is I want to be in the middle of where people do life. And yet our church is a little bit outside of that. So we're praying about, God, where would there be, be a hope center in the middle of a community that could be a hub for us to be the light of Jesus in our community? Feed people that need to be fed. Give them clothes. Uh, help give them counseling. Have, have things for addiction and stuff like that, which leads me to my next one. We want to add to our freedom ministries. I love our freedom ministries, and, and they're listed in our book, and you can see them. We've got some awesome living waters, has helped more people in this church. I'm so grateful for Pastor David and his heart and his vision for that. Um, we have other ones, too, that are just uh, amazing. But I want to see more. Why? Because people are hurting, and they're broken, and we need a Celebrate Recovery group. I've wanted it for years. I've had a vision for it. I need a leader. I need some leaders that would say, hey, I've got a heart for that, too, Pastor. I want to partner with you in the church. Come on, I, divorce care. I was thinking about how many people, uh, even through the pandemic, struggling with divorce. And how do we help people recover after divorce and they're feeling hopeless? Things like that, man, addictions. There's so many. I, I could go on, but I can't. I gotta go on. We're, we're gonna, we need to raise money for phase one of our building expansion and our Eureka building expansion. And you know what? It takes money to do stuff. It just does. It's a fact of life, and y'all have been so faithful. In fact, if you look in this, this book, you'll see our financial growth. Yes. And not only that, you'll see our attendance growth. And year over year, the last two years, our church has grown. Last year, it grew like crazy, like 40-something percent. 
This past year, about 15%. Honestly, I'm kind of grateful for the slower growth because we were scrambling last year to try to keep up with it. But I believe God gave us a little bit of grace this year. Our church is growing and we need you. We need you to get involved. We also need you to continue to sow into it, invest in it with your finances, with your tithe. If this is your home, this is Hope Church, you call it your home. We believe in the principle of the tithe. That is you, you sow into your storehouse. You sow out of what's feeding you spiritually and is there for you in your community. So I want to challenge you, if you're not doing that, so invest into it. We, we need to raise some money. We, we're running out of room. We've had a trailer outside that we fixed up. Sorry, my team's going to yell at me. The Annex Building. It's the Annex Building, people. That sounds so much better, don't it? But we've had that because we've run out of space. We've run out of office. We got four people sharing an office. We got three people sharing an office that's about as big as this square right here. We need to expand. And yet, last year I talked to you about this big vision, and we've got that big vision. But yet, we realized we need a phase one. We need a first step because we're growing too fast. We need to build and expand quicker. So we're looking at a smaller expansion that could add some classroom and some meeting space, some uh, office space and things like that. Eureka, growing like crazy, grew like 38% this past year. Praise God. We love you guys. We're so grateful for what God is doing in Eureka. But here's the problem. We got one kid's classroom. We need more kid's classrooms because God is bringing families and they're getting saved. Marriages are getting healed. Lives are getting renewed. Kids are getting saved. And they're wanting to come to church. There's a church alive in Eureka with the hope that we have in Jesus and people are finding out about it. Word is getting out, y'all. Last thing, and then I got a, a short encouragement of message for what God put on my heart. And then we'll celebrate. We'll have some cupcakes. It'll be fun. The last thing is, is the last couple of years, we've been talking with our uh, missions coordinators, Don and Ruth Slaybaugh. Amazing people. Where are y'all? I see you. I love them. Love you guys so much. Just amazing, amazing people. Been a part of this church for a long time. Been doing mission work globally for a long time. And uh, we've been, uh, the, the pandemic kind of hit the pause on some of our global missions. But I want you to know that there's some really cool stuff coming. Like in the spring, we're going to send a youth mission team to Mexico for the first time. And that's going to be so cool. Our youth going to get to experience that. Some of you have teenagers, man. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to start sending teams to La Fuente Riviera, this church uh, in Bucerías, Mexico, that we've partnered with. We got some things in the work, working with the Dominican Republic. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff coming up. All right. Are you ready? I must give you this real quick. I know I got a lot, but you need to hear this. Because every year I pray, God, what do you have for us in the new year? And this is simply what he told me. He said, just be the light. Like darkness has covered the earth. And the church is called to be the light. You are called to be the light. In fact, I love how the message uh, version says this in Matt chapter, Matthew. Um, I love this. I'm going to read it to you. You ready? Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Listen to this. Some of us, you want to know why you're here? You want to know why you're part of the church? Listen to this. Let me tell you why you're here. <laughs> Come on, this is worth the price of a mission this morning. You're wondering, what on earth am I here for? What's my purpose? Well, Jesus is saying, let me tell you why you're here. Let me tell you why you're a part of a church. By the way, you're not just an intender. You're a part of it. So partner with the church. 
says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. And there it is. That's our theme for this year. And, and you're going to hear me talk about it and continue to remind you. I'm going to preach messages about it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I love that. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, baby. <laughs> as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't, don't you think that I'm going to hide it? I'm not going to hide it under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you out on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, do what you do, shine. Be the light. In fact, we gave you, um, coming in this morning, our team created this amazing sticker that says, be the light. I want each of you to take one of these stickers with you, put it on your water bottle, put it on, I don't know, your rear view mirror your car, I don't care where you put it on your refrigerator, refrigerator, um, hunting wabbits. Put it on a magnet, stick it on your refrigerator. I don't, I don't care what you do, but put it somewhere where it will remind you every day when you get up, when you go to work, when you go to school, be the light. Yes, yes. We're going public with this. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generation, Father in heaven. I love that. We're, so we're going to be the light. And, and this is a problem because you know what? The pandemic brought darkness to the surface. Things are getting progressively darker. And I don't know, a lot of people want to know, are we living in the last days? I don't know. I can't answer that. And Jesus said, you're not going to know. So I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. <laughs> that might disappoint some of you. But I'm just like, hey, I took Jesus at his word. You're not going to figure it out. But I do know this. He said, be prepared. Because I'm coming back. Is more than a good song in the 80s. Jesus is coming. People get ready. Be ready. Be looking for the light. And in the meantime, be the light. Because, man, I, the statistics are almost overwhelming. More and more people have left the church in the last two years than 50 years before that. Do you know that 25% of people post-pandemic are dealing with depression? Suicide rates in this valley up over 20%. The last two years, each year, they continue to go up. Montana, per capita, is the number three suicide state in the nation. There's a darkness over the earth. There's a darkness over America. You saw it. You see it all the time. Turn on the TV. You can't get away from it. There's racial tension, political tension. There's unrest. There's uneasiness. People are mad. They're mad, darkness is coming. They don't know what to do with their frustration. And yet, we've been called to be the light of the world. I love Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. It's the first time he used the word church. He said this, he says, he's talking to Peter and everybody's like, who are you? We're still, we're trying to figure you out, dude. Like, who are you? And everybody's saying, well, some people are saying you're a prophet. Some people saying you're Elijah. Some people you're saying a good teacher. Some people say, hey, you're a good man. Then Jesus makes it personal like he'll always do with you. And he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Maybe for some of you today, that's, 
A decision you need to come to, a conclusion you need to come to. You're the Christ. Peter says this. He says, you're the Christ. And then God, Jesus says this in verse 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, when we read that verse or we hear that verse, oftentimes we think, hey, we're in the church. Jesus, we're holding down the fort. We're getting together. We're all the light. We're in the church. And we're holding down the fort. We're not going to let hell overtake it. That's not what this verse says. This verse says that you, you, you're my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome you. Now gates of hell are just that. They are the kingdom of darkness. And what Jesus is reminding us is that I didn't, I didn't put my spirit in you just so you could hold down the fort. I put my spirit in you so you could take the light and storm the gates of darkness. Because he reminds us, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. That you're a people. That, and now that I've, I've called you out of darkness into my marvelous light, I want you to go into the world and proclaim and be the light. So what does this mean for the church? It means that I'm going to be on you. I'm, I'm probably going to press you. Now, I'm Mr. Nice Pastor. You know me. I'm going to encourage you. That's what I do. But this year, more than ever, I'm going to push you. Because I believe unless we get serious about being the light in the darkness, we're going to continue to see a world drift more and more into that darkness. I actually believe a direct result of the darkness we're seeing is the church not being the light. And we need to go into the world. So as I'm closing, what does this mean for you? All this, the vision, the mission, what I just shared with you about being light, what does it mean for you? And how do, how do you do that? How do you be the light? Can I tell you, there's a couple simple ways that I wanna encourage you with. Number one is this, you have to fall more in love with Jesus. Wishy-washy, half in, half out, lukewarm Christianity ain't gonna make it in this day and age. That's why people that were on the fence, they fell off the fence during the pandemic. That's why people stopped coming to church. That's why people just walked away, they said, from God, following the world's ways. But let me tell you something. I believe they're gonna come back. And they're gonna come back after they experience the darkness. And we need to be prepared. And the way that we're gonna be prepared and the way that, the greatest way that you can be the light it's just burn for God. <laughs> like get on, catch on fire for God. Come on, there was, there was a preacher that said, he said, I'm gonna catch on fire for God and people are gonna come to see me burn. And some of us, maybe you're like, man, I, I barely made it to church here, Pastor Lance. I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, there was two disciples of Jesus that when Jesus died, they were discouraged. In fact, they said, we had hoped We'd hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, but he's been dead now three days. In other words, it's over. Our hope is gone. And they're walking away from where Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem. They're walking away, giving up. And some people have given up hope over these last couple of years. Some of you, maybe you find yourself there. You just, you lost your joy, you lost your passion. I wish I could give you some of mine, but I can't. 
I know the one who can. It says in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he what? While he talked with us on the road. In other words, as I, as I know God, as I draw close to him, he draws close to me. I love that Jesus, he resurrected. He could have been having a party. He could have been done, doing a lot of things. But you know what? He saw there's two of my people that are hurting. They lost hope. I'm just going to come right up alongside them. I'm going to start talking to them. God is going to do that for some of you today. He's going to come alongside you. The Holy Spirit's just going to get all up in your business, start reminding you, no, you are, you're made for more than this. You're made to know me. I know you. But it's time you start walking with me. And as you do that, you're going to, your heart's going to begin to burn. And you're going to catch on fire for God. And people are going to notice. You want to be the light? Just burn for Jesus. And the people around you are going to see your passion. They say, what's wrong with you? It's Monday morning. Why are you so happy? I just love God. I'm just so grateful that God gave me a job. Come on, come in with some Krispy Kremes. Morning, y'all. Hey, it's a glorious day outside. And it might be dark and gloomy smoke. But I'm just in love with God. And I'm going to be the light. And you know what? Bugs are attracted to the light. <laughs> People are going to get attracted to what you have. They're going to say, "Why? What, what's up with the peace that you have? In fact, we're starting a new message series next week called The Missing Peace. How about being the light and bringing somebody that you know needs some peace in their life? How about saying, hey, I'm not asking you to go to church with me. I'm telling you, I'm going to be at your house <laughs> at 830. I'm going to pick you up. I'm bringing you to church. You're coming to church with me because you need some of what, what I have. I've got hope and you need it. And as you fall more in love with Jesus, I gotta get my mouth working. You gotta catch up with my spirit. You gotta love what he loves. And I think this is the problem. We, we think we can love God on our own. Yeah, just me and Jesus. That's why I moved to Montana. Get out of the darkness. Get away from all those dark people. No, it's time to be the light. If you're gonna be the light, you gotta love what he loves. And you know what he loves? He loves the church a lot, a lot, lot. In fact, he calls it his bride. You know what happens? Somebody messes with my bride. We, we going down, <laughs> it's going down. You don't mess with my bride. Jesus birthed the church. He loves the church. He gave his life for the church. People are down on the church. People are criticizing the church. I don't like the way you do that. Like, I don't like that vision message. Why couldn't you just preach a message? Listen, you're talking about his bride. You're talking about his anointed one. I don't say that about myself oftentimes, but God's put me in this position of spiritual authority. You want to talk bad about me? Go ahead. You can do that all you want, but you're talking about God's chosen. You're talking about his church, his bride, and he don't like it when you mess with his bride. He loves his church, gave his life for the church. So what does that mean for you? Give your life for the church. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth your life. So you know what? 1.7 people come to church every month. <laughs> Attend 1.7 Sundays of the month. That's crazy. How can you expect to grow in your relationship with God if you show up to church 1.7 times a month? 
Commit. Commit to the church. Partner with the church. Get involved in the church. Serve the church. You're serving Jesus, not me. Not the vision of the... You're serving Jesus. Love people. That's my last point. If you're going to love God, if you're going to be the light, you got to love people. There's no exception. Jesus said, or John said it like this in 1 John. Put that scripture up and then I'm done. He said, whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen, they can't, you can't love God who you have never seen. So here it is. The measure of your spirituality isn't how many times you come to church, how much you read your Bible, how much you pray. The measure of your how much you love God is how much you love people. And we got to love people better. That's why next week we're opening up the baptismal tank. We're moving it right over here and we're expecting God to move and we're going to do one baptism every single service. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm praying for. You can pray for it with me. But I mean, we need to start loving people. What does that mean? That means you start being the light to people, sharing about Jesus to people, bringing them to church, sharing the gospel with them, loving on them. And herein lies the problem. I firmly believe this, and this is why I've been praying for you. I've been praying for our church. I've been praying for our hearts to get the heart of God. He said he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Who's your one? Who, do you, who did God put on your heart to leave what you're doing, to go after? Let me, let me hit home with you. And then we're going to sing and have some cupcakes. I remember a time we, my family was on a trip to Disney World. And um, had all my kids. My kids were young, you know. We're having a good time. Disney World's packed with people. And we, one of my kids got off a ride. And we looked around to go to the next ride. And my son, Jaden, wasn't there. And if you're a parent, you know that feeling when all of a sudden you realize your kid's not there. And in Disney World, that's a scary place to lose a kid. And my wife and I, we started to panic. We started to, to run around and we started to yell, Jaden, Jaden, in the middle of the crowd and people are looking at you like you're all crazy. And I'm running around going all over trying to find him. And, and a security guard, they're really good there. They come up to me, what's, what's the matter, sir? What's the matter, sir? I've lost my son. I need to find him. We'll help you. We'll help you. And they send a search team and they start searching. Five minutes later, here they come with his hand. And I'll never, never forget that feeling of seeing my son and locking eyes with him and being so grateful that there were other people that had a heart for my lost son. I think the church needs to get back a revelation that we have to be so in love with Jesus that we get his heart and love people. When Jesus looked over the city, I believe he's looking over our city and he's weeping, saying they're like a, like a sheep lost in darkness without a shepherd, without anybody who cares, without anybody who's loving them. And if my people would just be the light and get my heart, that's what it's all about. That's what, that's what it's all about. That's what all this is all about. This, none of this blooms, it means nothing if we don't have a heart for people. Would you stand with me?
Father, I pray today. Come on, would you just lift your hands? I want you to put one hand on your heart. Father, I pray that this message would be more than a message. God, I pray that this, the mission and vision that you've given us as a church would burn inside of us. Why? Because we're burning for you. We love you. We're passionate about you. We're passionate about serving you. We're going to give it everything, God. We're going to give it everything to serve you and to serve the city that you've placed this church in. And God, right now, I pray that our hearts would turn to you. I pray for those right now that are struggling, feeling hopeless. I pray for those maybe that are here today and don't know you. We're going to have our prayer team over here just like we always do. And maybe today's the day that you would say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to become a Christian. I want to get involved in that mission and vision. But Father, here's my prayer. God, let our hearts burn for you, God. Holy Spirit, come right now. Ignite our hearts.